0: Thanks for tuning in to Farmer Theologian, a podcast designed to help you build deeply rooted practical theology. Let's get to work. All right, welcome in to another episode of Farmer Theologian. Three quick things before we jump into the topic that you can do to help this podcast to help the region to be a personal encouragement to me Uh, one if you have not already please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're listening to second if you could leave a rating or a review again on the podcast platform that you're listening to or hey if you want to be really encouraging and helpful you can go to other podcast platforms and leave ratings and reviews there would greatly appreciate it and then third if you could share this episode on social media to help Word get out about the podcast that would be great. We have no budget for this podcast, no marketing uh, budget, no marketing strategy whatsoever. We're just getting the word out by word of mouth. So if you could help us with that, that would be a great uh, blessing, great encouragement to me. All right, diving into today's topic. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about, and it's particularly timing to uh, good timing today, as today when I'm recording this is actually my 14th wedding anniversary to Mrs. Farmer Theologian. Super grateful for her. Super thankful for all the ways that the Lord has blessed me Uh, through her marriage. And so today we're going to talk about marriage on this podcast. Now this is a bit more of a freestyle form, uh, but I think you'll see that it is coming straight from the heart as I am in the euphoria of celebrating wedded bliss to Mrs. Farmer Theologian. So I want to start today by reading from Genesis chapter 2, the first marriage, because I think this is uh, really key for us to understand our own marriages, to understand what a blessing they are, really to elevate, if you will, our view of our spouses, our marriage, and how God has sovereignly provided both to us. And So if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18 through verse 25. As always, I'm reading from the NASB 95 edition, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called a living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field but for adam there was not found a helper suitable for him so the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, "'This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed.'" This is, dear friends, the first marriage. And of course, our Lord, when he was here here on earth, refers back to this scene to affirm marriage. And there is so much we can glean from this text. And I want to share with you some of those things today. The first thing I want you to see is this is still in the creation account. Of course, Genesis 1 gives us sort of a general account of creation. And Genesis 2 gives us a more specific account centering around the creation of man, uh, but this is still within creation. In As we know, the, the main theme of creation is that God created everything, therefore he rules over everything. Creation declares the sovereignty of God. And I want you to see that that also applies to marriage. Marriage is God's sovereign design. It belongs to him. No one else can have a say in it that is superior to him. No one can overrule him or his design for marriage. Marriage is part of God's creation, part of his good creation, and therefore he is sovereign over it. Or to say it another way, God made marriage, so God sets the rules. It is his institution. He designed it the way he wanted it to. And here we see great things from this design that should encourage us and just elevate our view of God and his design of marriage. The first thing I want you to see here is, a wife is a sovereign gift for God, or you might broaden it out to say spouse, but here in particular, it has the wife in mind what a glorious scene this is i mean you could just imagine and, and it's hard for us right to to imagine this because we have known nothing but a fallen imperfect world that is groaning for the return of the savior we have known nothing in our lives but a sin cursed world but try if you will to put yourself in your sanctified imagination into adam's shoes here or i guess not shoes yet but into adam Adam's mindset here. This is a glorious creation. And for the first time we hear, it is not good, right? There's, there's this constant refrain in Genesis chapter one, it is good, it is good, it is good. And we know the summary of when he sees all the things that he has made, including man and woman, it is very good. But here in the midst of this, as we get this relook back to the first marriage, we see it is not good for man to be alone. That is God's determination. God says that. It's not man saying, God, you know, I know all this is great, but I have this one thing I need. But no, it is God saying it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then this amazing scene that we often overlook of God parading every beast of the field and every bird of the sky before Adam. And Adam gets to name them, which is part of his exercising dominion, which is he, he was created to do. One who names it controls it, right? And so he is under the, the delegated authority of the Lord who created all things. He's exercising dominion by naming everything. And can you just imagine that scene being the, the first person to see a giraffe or an elephant or a dog or a cow or uh, an eagle, right? And he names them all. And yet, at the same time, that, that glorious scene continues to come up short because there is still not a suitable helper. It says, the man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. See how, how all-encompassing, how comprehensive that language is. Everything in creation is paraded before him. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. And so God goes on to create the woman. Now think about that, especially you men, think about that. That great lesson there is there is nothing, certainly if there was no creature in, in perfect creation, no creature in undefiled creation, no creature in the fa- unfallen creation that was suitable enough to be a helper aside from the woman, then there is nothing in this fallen creation that can take the place, that can be a suitable helper for us like a woman, and like the particular woman that God has designed for you, has created for you, has brought into your life, has chosen to put you with. So God creates the woman. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. This is really amazing to me because, one, you see, God does all the acting here. Adam is put to sleep. Adam is is doing nothing, and then it twice refers to the covenant name of Yahweh, the Lord God, the Lord God. That's the the covenant name Yahweh is the one who caused this deep sleep to fall upon whom who fashioned the woman for him. It is the covenant keeping God who blesses him with this woman, and then Adam awakes, and the man said, "This is now, and it, it's it's now." In the in the English, it's it's atah. In the uh, in the Hebrew, it's like at last like Adam says now we're talking I mean think about that scene all those animals right he sees man's best friend he sees the dog he gets to name it dog but it's not a suitable helper it may be man's best friend in a in a very silly sense but it's truly not man's best friend but when he sees the woman he's like at last now we're talking this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In your Bible, that's probably indented because it's Hebrew poetry. And I'll, I'll save you the grammar lesson, but there's so much poetry in those four lines of Hebrew. So much figure of speech, so much stuff. It is, it is just celebrating in the most amazing way this gift of a woman to him. I'll just take a side note here. Brothers... If, if you spend more time thinking about your wife in this sense, at last, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken on a man. If you spend more time celebrating your wife like this and less time like fallen Adam in Adam 3, oh, this woman that you gave me, I'm sorry, in Genesis 3, if we have more now at last view of our wife, and less oh, this woman you gave me view of our wife, our life would go much better. But here she is she is the helpmate she is the suitable helper and notice difference how it is adam who needs the helper suitable somehow we we get this twisted we think oh man the woman is lesser because she was created second no it is it is decided god says that the man is the one who needs a helper in what other area do we see the the one who needs the helper as the superior one here it is, man who needs the helper, man who needs the woman to come in and to, to compliment him, to be a helper to him. And he celebrates her because she is God's sovereign gift to him. This is such an amazing thing for us. And this is the created order here, dear friends. Now, listen, I know there's a lot of talk these days about patriarchy, complementarianism. And, and so far as the etymology of the word patriarchy goes, father led, sure. Yes, society is better when fathers lead. So, society is better when men lead. It is God's design that men lead. Absolutely. But that in no way makes women lesser. In <laughs> fact, it is the, the man who needs the helper from creation. It is, it is the woman who is the gift to the man. and So we should see women in that way as a gift as a as God's perfectly designed helper for us particularly our wives we should see as God's perfectly designed helper for us and ladies you should see that as an honor as a as a role that is God designed for you not as as something that puts you down or holds you down it is what God has created you for and if you are in Christ the best thing you can be is what God has created you for The world will push all kinds of other ideas on you and will try to make this look like something lesser. But the truth is, as conveyed here from Scripture, from the very beginning, from creation, the woman is God's sovereign gift to the man. A spouse is God's sovereign gift. And so we should renew our minds and think of our spouse in such a way that they are God's sovereign gift to us. The next thing I want you to see from this is marriage. The institution of marriage is God's sovereign gift. God says in his word, which Jesus affirmed when he was here on the earth, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And a man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Here we see the creation of marriage. It is God who ordains this. It is God who ordains that this new relationship, the man and the woman, shall be the primary human-to-human relationship that he shall leave his father and mother that would be the the primary relationship prior to marriage that one would be under the authority and and care of their parents but now he is he is leaving that realm and being uh joined to his wife the idea there is being woven together so much so that they shall become one flesh this is now surely the primary relationship difference so much counseling is done over this issue. So much in, in my experience in counseling, the heart of the matter comes back to this idea of leaving and cleaving to the, the one you have chosen. Not of disrespecting father and mother, but understanding father and mother now have a new role of advisor and counselor. They are no longer the primary. They're no longer the, the safe space we run to when, when things don't work out the way we want. They're no longer the, the one that we run to when things are difficult instead now we have that in our spouse they are the primary relationship they are the one that we are one flesh with we don't war with our in-laws or or with our parents against our spouse but rather we are with our spouse we are joined to them the two are one flesh and no one should separate that jesus says that when he quotes from this passage he says therefore what god has put together let no man separate what a what a encouragement it is friends to understand that this new relationship of husband and wife, by God's design, is the primary relationship you will have on a human level. Obviously, our relationship with the Lord is our primary relationship, period. But on a human level, our relationship with our spouse is the primary relationship. We have more unity, more connection, more uh, intimacy with our spouse than with anyone else. This is by God's sovereign design. And it is it is something to be unashamed of. And the man and the woman were both naked and we're not ashamed. Now we know that fall comes in the next chapter and then they cover themselves up. So this is speaking to their innocence here, if you will. But it's it's given in this context of them being together. It is a good thing for man and woman to be together. Marriage is God's sovereign gift. It is his sovereign gift. So, dear friends, as you think about your own marriage today, let me encourage you to think about this. Are you submitting to God's rules? Are you remembering that God is the one who designed marriage? God is the one who determined marriage as an institution, and therefore you're going to submit to his his rules. Do you see your marriage as a gift from the Lord? And specifically, do you see your spouse as God's gift to you? Really a gift that is second only to salvation in terms of blessing to you. That he he has designed this one for you. Now listen, it must be said because seems like we always have to add disclaimers to things. There is, in the New Testament, a gift of singleness. But I want you to see from this that, that marriage is God's general plan, general design. Yes, there is a time of a gift of singleness, and there may be lives of gift of singleness. But those are the exception, not the rule. The rule, the norm, is marriage is it is a gift from god if you want further information or study on uh the gift of singleness let me encourage you uh my friend johnny art did a great episode of this on his podcast called dial in or dialed in uh i would encourage you to listen to that it's johnny art dialed in uh the gift of singleness you can search that you find it it's good but for the purpose of today i just want you to see that again the gift of singleness even if it's a period of singleness is is the exception the norm is to be married We will spend way more time, unless some uh, drastic thing intervenes, being married and being with our spouse, than we will being single or being with anyone else. That's God's design, because he decided it is not good for man to be alone, and he decided I will make a helper suitable for him. God's gift of marriage is a great thing, and I pray that this episode has encouraged you to see your spouse as God's sovereign gift for you and your marriage is god's sovereign gift for you because that's what scripture teaches us well friends that's it for today's episode i do want to give a special happy anniversary although it will be delayed by a day um to my lovely bride celebrating 14 years thank you mrs farmer theologian for being a great blessing to me and uh i just praise the lord for you friend i hope this episode was encouraging to you as you listen again if you want to help out the episode uh please do share it on social media And come back next time as we continue building deeply rooted practical theology.